good to hear so much chatter. Uh, please do keep the conversations going after this. Uh, I'll be, we'll be sticking around for fellowship lunch, so I'd love to get to know uh, each and every one of you, if possible. Uh, thanks again, Pastor Iggy, uh, and everyone for welcoming me, uh, April, and our kids. It's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, before we start, let's pray. Let's, let's ask God together to help us listen well to His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your gospel. We thank you for saving us from our sins through Jesus and giving us your Spirit's power to live for you. So please help us to listen to your word now. Show us how to live out the truth of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, great. So um, what did you guys talk about? The, the question was, like, who is a, a Christian example that you'd like to imitate, and why? I was, I was hoping to, to sit around and uh, maybe uh, eavesdrop a bit, but uh, I'm guessing, like, maybe some of the answers would go like this. You know, maybe you shared about a parent who always prayed for you day in, day out. Maybe you shared about someone who's always on about sharing Jesus with others. You know, someone who's really... Uh, on about evangelism. Or maybe you, you shared about someone who's, who serves behind the scenes for many years without complaint in Sunday school or at the PA counter behind or preparing morning tea. Some Christians encourage us through love and faithful service in small ways, in little things. But some Christians, you know, they encourage us when the gospel affects their lives in really big ways. So let me share with you some of, the, of my own friends who have encouraged me. I know a friend who was uh, on his way to becoming partner in a, a prestigious law firm in London. But he and his wife, he gave it up, they gave it up to become a campus pastor in a uni in Singapore because he was so convicted by the gospel and how people needed to hear about Jesus. I know a few friends who, who, after becoming Christian, they decided that they wanted to adopt more children, even though they could have children on their own, because they wanted to share God's love and grace with them. I know another friend who, who went to jail for eight years for gang violence, and he heard the gospel and accepted Christ in jail, and now he's married, he has two kids, and he runs a business helping youths from difficult family backgrounds. What makes a Christian encouraging? Whether it's in the little things or in the big ways, I think a Christian is encouraging when what they say, how they live, and the choices that they make shows they really believe the truth of the gospel. And it's encouraging because when Christians live for Jesus, it reminds us that the gospel and the transforming power of the gospel is true. And so it spurs all of us on to keep living for Jesus as gospel partners. That's the power of Christian encouragement. Now in today's passage in 3 John, John, the apostle and a close friend of Jesus, is writing to Gaius, a super encouraging gospel partner. And we're going to be seeing uh, what he's done to encourage John. But my hope and aim for today 
is that we will learn how to encourage each other to live out the truth of the gospel. And my hope is we will do this so that we can spur each other on to be partners for this amazing gospel that we believe in. So keep your Bibles open to 3 John. I will be referring to it quite a bit. And uh, you can follow along in the uh, sermon outline that uh, has been provided. Well, let's start with verse 1. Look at, look at the opening verses we learn. In, in the opening verses, we learn that Gaius is John's good friend who's super encouraging. Look at verse 1. John, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. His soul is getting along well. Why is John so encouraged by Gaius? Well, it's because John has heard from others that Gaius' life testifies to the truth of the gospel. That's point one on your notes, if you're following. Testify to the truth of the gospel. You see, Gaius is walking in the truth, and that deeply encourages John. You can hear the tone of his voice in verse 3 and verse 4. Let me read verse 3 for us. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it, the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, like you guys, are walking in the truth. I don't know whether you realize, but the truth, the word truth, do you realize it comes up at least three times in these opening four verses? John wants Gaius to know he's really encouraged Gaius is living a life according to the truth. What is this truth? Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know this because the gospel is what John has been on about in all his other writings. Gaius is so encouraging that Christians have started to testify, to tell others, to, like John, about his faithfulness. Gaius' life testifies to the truth of the gospel. It's a word we don't use often, the word testify. The word testify, what does it mean? It's a legal word. And you hear it in uh, legal dramas like, you know, uh, like Suits, or like uh, the practice back in the day, um, you hear in legal dramas, when a witness is called to testify in court, right? What does it mean? To testify means to show that what you believe is true. Let me say that again. To testify means to show what you believe is true. So Gaius is living a life that shows that he really believes the truth of the gospel. And so John rejoices and is deeply encouraged by him. But before we continue with the rest of the letter, we need to take a step back and ask, why is John making such a big deal about the truth of the gospel? Why is John so happy that Gaius is living in a way that shows he believes the truth of the gospel? Well, the answer is because the stakes are high. The stakes are high. Earlier, we heard two passages from one of John's other writings in John's Gospel. 
and we heard two passages that I think strike at the heart of what John sees as the truth of the gospel. Can we have the next slide, please? Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The stakes are high when it comes to the gospel because the gospel is a matter of eternal life and death. People's lives are at stake. We need to remember that. And if you go to John chapter 20, John tells you the reason why he's written this amazing gospel. Uh, Next slide. The reason why John wrote this gospel is he's telling us that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, the whole point of John writing his gospel is to get readers to believe and keep on believing in Jesus so they can live forever with God. When it comes to the gospel, the stakes are high. That's why John is making such a big deal out of it. I just want to talk to uh, those of us who call ourselves Christian for a long time. I think the danger is that If you've been Christian for a while, the danger is that we take the gospel for granted. We can lose the gravity of the gospel. And so, as we're going into the letter today, I hope that we'll keep reminding ourselves that when it comes to the gospel, the stakes are high. The truth of the gospel is this. You, your friends your family will face one of two ends. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will face God's righteous judgment and you'll perish in hell forever. Jesus spoke about this in Mark chapter 9 last week uh, when Pastor Iggy was preaching. But the good news is this, if you believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven and you will live forever with God in heaven. If you don't believe in Jesus, you remain God's enemy and you will face God's righteous wrath. But if you believe in Jesus, you can call yourself a child of God. You will reign with Christ. You will enjoy all the spiritual blessings that we've been learning about in Mark. So if you're here and you're not someone who would call yourself a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. Can you see why your Christian friends keep bugging you to come to church? It's because they love you. If you're not a Christian today, you need to know that every single one of us will fall into one of two camps. Enemy of God or friend of God. And it all hinges on whether you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the truth of the gospel. Now Gaius gets it. Gaius knows the stakes are high and he gets that if the gospel is true, then we must live a life that testifies to the truth of the gospel. But what has Gaius been doing that testifies to the truth of the gospel? Well, I think the rest of the letter tells us two ways to do this. Point two. First, We testify to the truth of the gospel by 
supporting the spread of the gospel. Now, when this letter was written in the first century, um, the first followers of Jesus would travel from town to town to share the gospel. And um, there was no Airbnb, there was no hotels, and so the gospel preachers, they would have to stay in the homes of other Christians, right? Their homes would also be the gathering places where the preacher would preach the gospel. So Christians like Gaius used their home, their time, and their money to help to get the gospel message out. Uh, Look at how John commends Gaius in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. You see, Gaius is testifying to the truth of the gospel by showing hospitality to these traveling preachers. And some of them are total strangers to him, right? They don't, he doesn't even know them, and yet he shows them hospitality. And in so doing, he's supporting the spread of the gospel. And it's really important that he does this because these gospel preachers, they've left everything behind for the sake of preaching the name of Jesus. They're sharing the gospel with non-Christians and they're receiving nothing from them. That's what verse 7 means. Look at verse 7. It was for the sake of the name of Jesus that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. That's another way of saying the non-Christians. So because these gospel preachers received no financial or material help from the people they were preaching to, Gaius, as a gospel partner, used his home, his time, and his money to support the spread of the gospel. That's one way you testify to the truth of the gospel. John tells Gaius to keep up the good work. Look at verse 8. It's the first request that John tells Gaius to keep doing. Verse 8. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that, they, so that we may work together for the truth. Now I want us to look at the last part of verse 8. Why should we support preachers of the gospel? You see the answer. So that we may work together for the truth. Here's a question for you. Who is a gospel worker at CPE? Who is a gospel worker at Cooper's Plains Evangelical? Is it just Pastor Iggy? Is it just the missionaries that CPE supports? Well, no. The Bible says that all of us here, if we call ourselves Christian, all of us are gospel workers. You see, verse 8 says, by supporting people who are preaching the gospel to others, we are fellow gospel workers. Gospel work is not just for pastors and missionaries. We all play a part. That's why I really dislike the term full-time ministry. Hey, Gabe, I heard you're going into full-time ministry. Is that true? See, a term like that, it makes it sound like only people paid by the church are full-time gospel workers. But can you see, the Bible doesn't have those distinctions. 
God's Word says that if you call yourself a Christian, you are a full-time worker for the gospel. So you're not a student or a stay-at-home mom or a retiree or a lawyer or a doctor or office worker or tradie who happens to be Christian. No, you are first and foremost a full-time gospel worker who happens to be a stay-at-home mom, a retiree, a student, a lawyer, a doctor, etc. The only difference between you and someone paid by the church is that those paid spend more time doing gospel work and spend more time equipping other Christians to do gospel work. That's the only difference. So we need to remember, we are all full-time gospel workers. We all have a part to play to get the message of Jesus out there to those who haven't heard it. And like Gaius, we support people like pastors and missionaries by using our homes, our time, and our money for the sake of the gospel. Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, next year I'm going to go back to Singapore to be a kids and youth pastor. So um, this past holiday, what we did was we went down to to New South Wales, to Sydney, uh, to learn from other churches about kids and youth ministry. So my, my family and I, we got into the car, we drove like 12 hours down to the central coast in Sydney, um, and we were visiting like four or five different churches. And I don't know about you, but like, I don't know whether you realize, have you been to Sydney recently? The, the accommodation prices are ridiculous. It's really expensive to stay uh, for a few days. And so we, uh, what we did was we, we asked people, you know, hey, do you have any friends in Sydney that could put us up so that we can uh, get trained? for the sake of the gospel, and we stayed with Christian friends of friends. So we had a lovely time uh, staying with uh, three families. That's the Wallaces on the Central Coast, that's the Goes, and the Changs, right? And it was uh, amazing hospitality that we were shown. They didn't know us. We were complete strangers to them, and yet they used their homes, their, their time, and your money to take care of us so that I and April, we can better teach kids the gospel. They gave us their rooms to sleep in, uh, and they fed us so well. This is a picture of the chasu that one of them made. Mm, so good. It was really amazing. Oh, it's a good thing we're in Sunny Bang, eh? Yeah, I might go over later to get some. The market's clear. Sorry, I got distracted. But I think the most encouraging thing about our visit uh, to Sydney Uh, was how each family was so encouraging in sharing with us how Jesus changed their lives. It was a huge encouragement to me and April to see how their lives testified to the truth of the gospel. And I think that's a picture of what Gaius is doing for visiting gospel preachers. You see, the families that we stayed with, they used their homes, their time, and their money for the sake of the gospel. I want us to think, how can you use your homes, your time, and your money for the sake of the gospel? I don't want this to just be a theoretical thing. I want you to be able to leave with something tangible to do in response to what Jesus has done for you. So let's do a bit of a brainstorm. Here are some ideas on how you can use your home for the spread of the gospel. Could you open your homes to visiting pastors or missionaries so they can preach? 
if you have an empty home somewhere, so I know a lot of Australians, they have holiday homes, right? Or maybe you're uh, overseas for a while. If you have an empty home, could you consider letting missionaries and paid gospel workers use them for holidays so that they can recharge before doing more gospel work? Could you invite newcomers over to your house? Cook them a meal to build gospel relationships? Could you open your homes to be used for evangelistic events? So next week, uh, one of our church members is opening his house for an evangelistic potluck. Uh, we're inviting friends over for food and for gospel sharing. Could you do that? How could you use your home for the sake of the gospel? Now here are some ideas on how you use your time for the sake of the gospel. Last week, Pastor Iggy uh, rightly reminded us from Mark chapter 9 that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to serve. We're not consumers. We serve just as our Lord Jesus Christ has served us on the cross. Well, could you tell yourself, every week I'm going to spend one hour after church looking out for newcomers, looking out for non-Christians to chat with them, to reflect the love that God has shown me. Could you help clean up after fellowship lunch later so that people can share the gospel with their non-Christian friends? If you're creative, could you use your skills to help design publicity for, for the church? If you're, you're techie, if you're a techie, could you help with the church website? And if you want more ideas, uh, just go and ask Pastor Iggy, how can I serve? So I'm going to ask uh, Iggy next week, like, has your email box been flooded? Right, okay, okay, maybe not. That's not something you want, but, but you get the point. If you want ideas, just ask your pastor, how can I serve? Lastly, how can we use our money for the spread of the gospel? I know money can be a touchy issue, so before I go on any further, I want to make a disclaimer, right? Pastor Iggy didn't ask me to say any of this. Uh, these are my own words. I'm not paid by CPE. I'm not on the payroll, so impartial. I was asking Pastor Iggy what the financial situation in CPE is, and he mentioned that, thankfully, the church is meeting budget uh, every year. But he says it's only because someone generally give, uh, generously gives at the end of the year uh, when there's a shortfall. And I think that's quite common in a lot of churches. It's, it's an observation I see even in SLE Church. For many churches, in the first few months of the year, the churches are in the red, there's a deficit. It's only in the final month when the shortfall is made up, if at all. While it's great that you meet budget, the fact that it only happens in the last few months of the year is, I think there's an observation here, the church is only giving to meet what you need. That's fine if you want to maintain the status quo. But if you remember that the stakes of the gospel are high and we want as many people as possible to come to Christ so that they can enjoy Him forever, well, then we have to think bigger as a church. Don't just give for what you need. Give for what could be. If we give more money to church, that would mean more trainees for church, more MTSs, a bigger staff team who can equip more of us to share the gospel. It could mean planting new churches 
in Brisbane and beyond. It could mean rejuvenating all churches in Brisbane or supporting more missionaries. Back in Singapore at the Crossing Church, uh, one of the goals that we have is we want to be able to plant or partner at least 10 new churches in 10 years. Could that be a vision for CPE? If we truly believe the stakes of the gospel are high, and if we truly get that the benefits of following Jesus are awesome, then we will give our homes, our time, and our money for the spread of the gospel. Not because we have to, but because we want to. So my prayer for CPE is that you will continue to grow a culture of hospitality. And I pray like Gaius, all of us here will testify to the truth of the gospel by supporting the spread of the gospel with our homes, our time, and our money. This brings us to the final way we can testify to the gospel truth. Point three, by imitating good gospel workers. We testify to the gospel truth by imitating good gospel workers. So in verse 9 to 12 of 3 John, we get a glimpse of conflict within the early church. John brings up two people that Gaius knows. He, gives, he brings up a bad example, Diotrephes, in verse 9. And he gives a good example, Demetrius, in verse 12. And sandwiched in between these two examples, John gives Gaius his final plea in verse 11. Look at verse 11 with me. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Imitate what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. We're not sure what the issue with diatrophies is because the letter doesn't really tell us. It could be a theological issue. It could be a personality issue. We don't know. But it's clear what John is saying, isn't it? Gaius, don't imitate diatrophies. Instead, imitate Demetrius, a good example of a gospel worker. Look at Diotrephes. What's the problem with him? The problem with Diotrephes is he's selfish. Verse 9 says he puts himself first. He's arrogant. He doesn't acknowledge the authority of an apostle. Verse 10 says he talks wicked nonsense. Verse 11 says he doesn't show hospitality to gospel preachers that have been going from town to town. He's hindering the spread of the gospel. And not only that, Diotrephes, oh man, he stops others who want to show hospitality. See, Diotrephes' problem is in verse 9. He likes to put himself first over the spread of the gospel. The politics this guy is causing is distracting the church from spreading the gospel. Don't be that guy. Instead, imitate Demetrius. Now, we don't have a good list of things, uh, we don't have a list of good things that describe Demetrius. Instead, we see one idea that keeps repeating to show whether a gospel worker is worthy to be imitated. Do you see it? How do we know if a gospel worker is one who should be imitated? Well, he should have a good testimony from others. Look at verse 12. 
a good gospel worker should have a good testimony from others. Look at verse 12. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. You know if this Christian is worth imitating if he lives a life that makes others speak well of him or her. But that's not all. A good gospel worker worth imitating should have a life consistent with the gospel truth. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Demetrius has received not just a good testimony from everyone, but also from the truth itself. So Demetrius lived his life according to God's word so well that everyone saw his good character and this devotion to God. So in short, we imitate good gospel workers who should have good testimonies from others and should have lives consistent with God's truth in the Bible. A, Gabe, why is imitating gospel workers so important? I mean, we just need to tell people about Jesus, isn't it? We just need to preach the gospel out there. Can't, we just give my time, can't I just give my time and money for the sake of the gospel? Well, how we live matters because how you live gives credibility to what you say. How you live gives credibility to what you say. If I told you, hey, buy Suncorp shares tomorrow, it's going to spike 100%. It's going to give you a 100% return next week. If I told you that, and then you realize that you found out that I didn't invest my own money in it, would you believe me? If your friend told you, I love my wife, but then you found out that he was cheating on her, would you believe him? If another friend told you, oh man, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most awesome news in the world, but then you found out she doesn't tell anyone about the gospel, would you believe her? How you live gives credibility to what you say. And because people's lives are at stake, we must do everything in our power to give credibility to the gospel truth we claim to believe in. That's why we imitate good gospel workers, people who show us to live a life consistent with God's gospel truth. We testify to the truth of gospel by imitating, imitating good gospel workers. And the amazing thing is that when we do that, it encourages other Christians to do the same. Gospel living is contagious. Let me give you an example of how contagious living out the gospel can be. Uh, so, some of us at SLE Church, we've been uh, doing this, this book called Honest Evangelism by Rico Tice. Um, and we, we wanted to do it because we felt that as a church, we wanted to be challenged more about sharing the gospel with our family and friends. So two of, of the guys in our church, uh, Nigel and Isaac, um, they're, they're staying with a non-Christian friend, a housemate. They thought, you know what? Just do it lah. No, they're Singaporean, so just do it. Just do it lah, okay? You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to share the gospel with uh, James. 
And that's what they did. They were sharing the gospel with James for the past few months and inviting James to church, helping him to know more Christians, explaining the gospel to him over dinner. And last month, James became a Christian. So James has been coming to SLE the past four months, not the past few months, but he only became a Christian last month. And, and James, he brought his girlfriend to church, and now she's interested in Christianity. And one of the guys that saw this, they thought, oh, wow, you can actually invite your non-Christian girlfriend to church? Great, okay. And so he brought his girlfriend to church. And, now, and, and recently I heard she's become a Christian. And on seeing this, another friend was encouraged to share the gospel with his Muslim housemate. In the past two weeks, I've heard of at least three people coming to Christ, all because people were encouraged at how others were sharing the gospel with one another. Gospel living is contagious. If all of us imitate God, good gospel workers, CPE Church has the potential to win the South Side, maybe even Brisbane, maybe even Australia, or Asia for Christ. Testify to the truth of the gospel by imitating good gospel workers. Let's get specific. Who are some good gospel examples to imitate? Well, obviously, we look to biblical examples. We always look to our Lord Jesus Christ and his example of radical love to show us what it looks like to live now. We follow Paul, Peter, and the other apostles who show us what it looks like to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel as they imitate Christ. For me, I, I look up to Christian writers. Um, I really love reading John Piper. I really love reading R.C. Sproul, who passed away uh, last year. And uh, what I love about them is I love how they handle the Bible faithfully, and they're so clear in how they explain what the Bible is saying. I also look up for personal examples. So I look up to Pastor Ben, uh, who was here a few weeks ago, uh, for his genuine love and care for people, and I think that's something I could really grow in. Uh, I look up to Pastor Dinesh, uh, my pastor back in Singapore, uh, for his, who is fearless in his evangelism. You know, he's always organizing evangelistic talks, dinners uh, in his house so that people can hear the gospel. Um, but it's not just people who are paid. Like, I think we look up to, um, everyone's a gospel worker, right? We look up to Christians. I, I look up to my grandma, my, my ama, uh, who, who went to be with Jesus last year. And in the last years of her life, my ama would be so at peace and looking forward to, to see Jesus. You know, her favorite words, words in uh, Hokkien. Uh, she didn't know how to read. She, she only spoke Hokkien. Uh, but her faith in Christ was so solid. Her favorite words were, Gamsiatu. Praise the Lord. And why Teng I want to go home to heaven. I've prayed a few times, you know, God, please help me to be like Ama. Help me to keep living a life of praise to you and help me to keep living a life that yearns for heaven. Imitate good gospel workers. Back to the question that was asked at the beginning. Who is a Christian who encourages you? 
something tangible you could do after today is make a list. Make a list of names and state down what exactly in this person's life you want to imitate. And after that, pray, God, please help me imitate this person as he imitates Christ. It's time to end. Gaius is an encouraging Christian whose life testifies to the truth of the gospel. I'm sure he didn't know his example would, be, would end up being written in the Bible for millions of people like you and me to read. But do you realize you too today have the potential to be an encouraging Gaius to others? Like Gaius, we are to keep testifying to the truth of the gospel by supporting the spread of the gospel and by imitating good gospel workers. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the encouraging Christian examples around us, past and present. Help us to testify to the truth of the gospel by supporting the spread of the gospel with our homes, our time, and our money, and by imitating good gospel workers. Please help us to spur each other on as fellow servants of the gospel. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Gabriel. I was going to call you thank you, Gaius, for the message today and for your encouragement. And I like what you said about um, living for the gospel can be so contagious and can be so fruitful that we can just bless so many people as we live out the word of God truthfully and faithfully. We can be bearing so much fruit for the gospel of Christ. And I like what you said too about giving. Don't just give what we need, but what could be. So what is the vision? What is our vision for the church? How would we like our church to extend? How would we like our church to grow? And how would God like us to be a part in this venture to grow His church? We do this by giving. So before the ushers come forward to collect our offering, let's just pause and ask God to help us to give generously, cheerfully, in response to what He has done for us and how we can sow back into His church for the extension of His kingdom. Let's just pause to pray.